This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market, more than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein, here's your host, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning to you all. We are uh, playing musical chairs in the studio this morning. No Will Darkens. Kind of miss his... Uh... What is my mic on? Now? We we got it. I thought you would have <laughs> learned how to do that by now. No, after I eight mean, years right of this show. Me, but you normally will take care of it sometime. I understand. I I, I only have two hands in here, so yes. But I think you're nearly perfect, so I just assumed that you would have the little blue light on, on my uh, mic. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? No, Will. So it's just you and I. You're in the main studio. I'm back over here on the uh, studio side. Uh, So no Sinner and Saint following us. Uh, You'll go back to uh, ESPN Radio. I'm sure they'll be uh, talking lots about the Pac-12 football schedule that just got released this morning. So uh, there will be Pac-12 football starting November the 7th. Have you seen the schedule? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So... Uh, obviously the Ducks will be here two Friday games. Yeah. Uh, their crossover game is UCLA. So the, uh, conference is, uh, protecting them. They do not play UCLA. Uh, the game formerly known as the civil war will be the Friday after Thanksgiving. So it's in its traditional spot. That's good. Uh, no, no kick times yet. Uh, but, uh, and then the last game of the regular season for the Ducks will be Washington. So you'll get the uh, Ducks-Huskies rivalry that could potentially lead into a Pac-12 championship. So there you go. So how are they going to work out the uh, playoffs when it comes to college football? This is Uh, a golf show. but It's a golf show, but yeah, uh, it's going to be a total crapshoot. Yeah. But the Pac-12 will finish in time so that the college football playoff committee can evaluate Pac-12 teams to be included in a 14 playoff. So if the Big 12 keeps stumbling all over themselves and having crappy losses and somebody runs the table in impressive fashion in the Pac-12, even though they will have only played seven games, they might be able to sneak into the fourth spot. Oh, that's interesting. What a, a fascinating year we've had. No it's, question. It's not getting any uh it's not getting any more normal as we as we know. Uh, no, no. And this week, uh, obviously, uh, serving much to that with the <laughs> craziness that's that's gone on. So anyway, <laughs> we will talk golf over the next hour. We are going to have some help. Joe Daniels, who is the president of the Golfing Machine, uh, a longtime uh, PGA professional here in the state of Oregon. He has held several positions uh, in the Oregon chapter of the PGA. Uh, but um, th- there's been so much talk about Bryson DeChambeau, what he has been able to do, his win at the U.S. Open. And if you've listened to any of the commentary, you notice that they have mentioned a specific uh, book um, called uh, The Golfing Machine. And um, 
it was uh, I'm trying to find his name here. Homer Kelly Correct. Uh, wrote it, and it's a very technical, they call it a textbook. It's not even a, a manual. or It's a textbook, a very scientific approach to the golf swing and the game of golf that Bryson DeChambeau, who was a physics major uh, and has applied his, his rocket science mentality to, um, not everybody in the golfing community uh, subscribes to it, but there are those whose mind works in that fashion uh, that have gravitated to it. Bryson DeChambeau being the latest one. So Joe's going to join us at eight thirty uh, and ask the pros, and and we'll kind of get a feel. We gotta we gotta we gotta go easy with him because I know he can get real technical, real analytical, and all into the details. So we'll try and uh, keep it surface level for you, so we don't lose you. Well, Joe's a really bright guy and someone I respect greatly for his uh, understanding of the golf swing. Uh, many of us operate on a much shallower level, myself included. Uh, and yet there are certain things, and I've read the golf machine, uh, there's certain aspects to it you just can't deny as being true. Um, and, and yet I have difficulty putting all the science together. I'm just going to go out and whack it most of the time, <laughs> like most of our uh, – most of our golfers. Yes, uh, I am at the point where I'm trying to, you know, go from being one of those weekend hackers to somebody that can go out and execute golf shots. I guess yeah, I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah, you're. But the the golfing machine would ap- appeal to someone like yourself yeah. who is a very auditory uh, learner. Uh, it it would uh, it doesn't necessarily cover those who are more feel oriented although in order to have a good feel for playing golf you have to understand certain yeah you do there is a certain aspect of understanding the environment being aware of what's going on around you as well as inside your body to make those minor tweaks and adjustments so that you can execute golf shots right but building the swing and the basic mechanics i'm i would more gravitate to this and since we're getting into now the uh rainy season well, we got a couple more weeks of sun. There's still going to be some heat wave. Yeah, I think we're going to a little bit. We're a little foggy this morning. Uh, the Willamette River, if I were kayaking on the Willamette, I might end up, where would I end up? In the Dalles? The Because uh, it's so foggy. I couldn't end up in the Dalles. No, you I- might end up in, uh, <laughs> well, it, it's the, it's the isn't it the largest river that actually flows north? Something like that. My really? dad, the science teacher. Yeah, there's some weird thing about the Willamette. It's the largest, longest or largest river that actually flows north. You know, this is why we have that text number, because uh, there are people out there who know yes. this kind of thing. 503-250-1080. Hit us up if you got a question uh, for Harold or Joe during the next hour. Uh, or you know which way the or Willamette Or if you know flow. what it is about the Willamette flowing north into the Columbia that makes it unique, uh, hit us up. Maybe my dad's listening this morning. He's down in Winnemucca, Nevada, making his way south with his uh, big giant fifth wheel. <laughs> yeah, I thought about uh, my wife and I have been looking at trailers and, and motorhomes and thinking, you know, there, there you can create an environment where you feel safer until I have to back it up. And if I have to back it up into some uh, camp somewhere. some uh, It is an art form. He's already had an incident on his trek north or south. Yeah. Yeah. He was looking down to make sure he didn't hit anything on the ground and missed an awning up above. That (laughs) That would be me. So, yeah. Yeah. Did he pull into a McDonald's? uh, No, no, no. He doesn't do that. No, no, no. Not doing that. So, Anyway, uh, that's what we got cooking. And as always, uh, again, we'll take your uh, your thoughts on the text line, 503-250-1080. But uh, plenty of golf uh, still going on. So as we uh, always do, let's start by going inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards. The latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. Four tours are in action this week. European tour with uh, one of its more premier events. Normally, it's the lead-in to the Open Championship, uh, the Aberdeen Scottish Open, and uh, a nice leaderboard. Ian Poulter, Robert Rock, both at 11 under. They are three shots clear of uh, three golfers, including Lee Westwood. Tommy Fleetwood is at six under. 
Uh, a name you need to be on the lookout for, Lucas uh, Lucas Herbert out of Australia. Uh, he's 78th uh, ranked in the world. He is at uh, seven under. He's having a rough day today. He's four over through 10. Uh, but you're seeing uh, some very familiar names, a lot of Ryder Cup veterans up there near the top. And uh, Poulter is 44. Westwood's 47. I know Robert Rock is pushing 40. So uh, as they are uh, looking to make the run to Dubai, it'll be uh, a fun way to – if you're up early on the weekends, it's going on right now on Golf Channel. I think it starts at like 4 in the morning if you can't sleep. And they got some pretty crummy weather over there. Which well, it's is, Scotland in October. What would you expect? Yeah, this is great. This is why you have to love – the British Open, the Scottish and the Irish Open, because the weather, it's just pouring and the wind's blowing. This is abandoned dunes uh, afternoon, uh, and, and I've been to abandoned dunes when it's absolutely perfect. So I'm not, I heard it was 90-something last week down now. there. Yeah, it, it could be fantastic. But uh, they have some weather a lot like the, uh, the Scottish uh, – links courses and it's the kind where you you step up over the ball you've got your rainproofs they don't call them rain you know rain gear it's rainproofs on and your pant legs are just yep. flapping Whipping. in the wind it's it's a tough way to play so it'll be a, a fun way to start uh, your weekends when you get up early the lpga tour is back in action uh one of the uh one of the stalwart tournaments the Shoprite lpga classic out in galloway new jersey nasa hataoka is your leader at 11 under par uh, mel reed and mi hyung lee both at 10 under celine boutier amy olsen at nine under georgia hall who won two weeks ago uh the cambia uh, she has started around today eight under uh, Jennifer Cupcho there Brooke Henderson at seven under so uh, a good leaderboard a good field as they have another major next week the uh, ladies LPGA championship will be next week so uh, but Nasahata Oka uh, burst onto the scene a couple of years ago winning a major kind of out of nowhere uh, she's looking for her fourth win she's just 21 out of Japan and uh, is one of those uh players uh from from asia that looks to be maybe somebody that's going to be in tournaments and in majors every time she she puts the peg in the ground yeah she has a really good iron game and and her short game is incredible as we've seen across the tours if you if you can hit greens and if you miss them you can get up and down you are going to score and she is really good at that uh if you're looking for Lexi Thompson, who is a defending champion, uh, she's down the leaderboard a bit after shooting 72. Um, she's struggling a bit. She's been winless since June. Uh, she's going to have to make a, a pretty substantial move. Um, it looks like Amy Olson uh, is the best uh, call for an American coming, uh, coming back and winning this. And so they will be um... – They'll be getting ready for, again, their second major of the season next week. They still have the uh, U.S. Open uh, to compete for as well in, is that in November or December down in Houston? It's late, late in the calendar year when they moved it Yeah, at the and, Champions Club. Yeah, the, and in this tournament, they've expanded to four rounds because they couldn't do the Pro-Am. Oftentimes uh, on the ladies' tour, they're three-round uh, tournaments with the fourth round being on like on a Wednesday or Thursday being a pro-am the way they raise money to pay the players. Well, in this case, without that, they this is a yeah. four-round tournament. Uh, the Cambia, which is normally a four-round tournament, they knocked back to three because of the smoke we had. Yeah, that was because of the smoke. And uh, But Mel Reed, Mel Reed had back-to-back uh, -back top ten. She had top ten at the A&A Inspiration as well as at Cambia. She's going to be probably a part of uh, Solheim Cup teams for years to come, uh, rounding into form. So uh, look for her this weekend to possibly break through and get that victory. The Corn Ferry Tour, they are in Savannah, Georgia, for the Savannah Golf Championship. Kevin Doherty, Evan Hammerling, your leaders at 11 under par. Third round has start, but everybody uh, ooing and eyeing over Julian Etulane's uh, course record, 62 yesterday. He's at 12 under, a big group tied. Uh, just one shot back, and uh, 
It's always this is what we've come to expect from the Corn Ferry Tour uh, is this massive bunching. So as long as you make a cut on the Corn Ferry Tour and the way the course is set up, uh, you can go low on a lot of these courses and and make a big move on the weekend. That's what Jared Wolf did last week, getting his second win of the season, uh, knocking off Taylor Pendrith, who got I believe his fourth top three yeah. so far this season. He just can't break through your uh, your fellow Golden Flash uh, just coming up short again. Yeah, you asked me what was the pipeline from Canada down to to uh, uh, Kent State, and I. I went online to look and I couldn't find a pipeline. Oh. The uh, yeah, there the, you have to go across like a lake, and then ah. there's a bunch thunder. Of, isn't it Thunder Bay up there? Isn't that the big one? I, I have know. no idea. The uh, you grew up in Western New York. How do you not know where all the lakes up there? Oh, I know most of the lakes. Up okay, there. there's like an Ontario. There's an Erie. Erie, where you you could walk across Erie. I ha- once had a math. Uh, teacher in high school who if you gave a an answer to a math problem you'd say it's 17 he'd go is that the number of ducks on lake erie so it's you know <laughs> always said that so i know about lake erie <laughs> and i know about the niagara river that runs yeah. into lake erie because i worked in the steel mills going through college on uh, on the Niagara River. Uh, we find out more about uh, the mysterious past. I worked in, yes, and I worked in the blast furnace on the Niagara River of Bethlehem Steel. And I can tell you that was an experience to, uh, was to say, really yeah. get down and and get dirty. <laughs> it, was, it was hot. It was nasty. It was uh, three very difficult summers. And that leaves uh, the Sanderson Farms Championship. Uh, We'll pick up with the PGA Tour there as they're uh, just into their fall schedule. And ask the question, you know, Hudson Swafford getting the win last week, but does the PGA Tour need to push to have more higher profile golfers play in more of these uh, fall swing tournaments. That's where we'll start as we continue on. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 818 here this morning, Golf in the Northwest. Swag and Harold uh, with you. Joe Daniels of the Golfing Machine going to join us in the uh, Ask Our Pros segment at 830. But uh, continuing on, uh, a busy weekend of golf, as we mentioned, four tours uh, in action. The PGA Tour is in Jackson, Mississippi at the Country Club of Jackson for the Sanderson Farms Championship. And Keegan Bradley is your second-round leader at 13 under par, uh, looking for his fifth PGA Tour victory. And it's uh, been a while. Looking at this, hard to believe it was 2011 that he burst on the scene, winning the PGA. He won the Byron Nelson that year, won a WGC event uh, after that in 2012, and then went dry. Many thought that uh, the, the New Englander was going to be one of those young up and coming guys who who kind of came in with Dustin Johnson uh, to to really you know be a regular contender in majors, and then he fell off the face of the earth for a while. Won the 2018 BMW in the FedEx uh, Cup playoffs, but uh, it's been a struggle for him. Uh, he's his putting has really been some of the issues. Obviously, when they went away, he had a belly putter. And went away from uh, the anchoring. He had to reinvent how he was putting, and that seemed to affect his game. Well, it you know, expectations can get real high after you know he comes on as a rookie and, and uh, wins the PGA Championship, and you think, well, this guy's going to be the next best thing. He was twenty five, I think, when he won it. Yeah, uh, and at the time, working with Jim McLean, uh, and and he had uh, Keegan Bradley hitting a lot of fairways and a lot of greens and playing very well. Since that time, they've parted company, and I'm wondering if that was not advisable to do that. That being said, we would have had much greater uh, expectations out of Keegan Bradley, and he, you know, didn't he make a Ryder Cup team? Yeah, Uh, he made a cut. Well, obviously he made it there. I think it was – 2011 he made it yeah uh i think he played another one too maybe 2013 he still had some residual points and stuff but it's it's interesting how these players will you know come onto the scene and then disappear for a while i it's 
more about how difficult it is to win on yeah. tour than it is that the player loses sight of what he wants, his goals. No question. And, yeah, and and now we have another field. You and I were going to chat a little bit about the quality of fields. Last week was not that good. And this No, week I think you, week. last week was kind of interesting because you were going, you were in the Dominican Republic um, and with Hudson Swafford getting his second win, uh, there were a lot of lesser-known names, very few top-level names. One, in, in the situation, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, in the situation that we're in, international travel, uh, prob- there are some players who are like, I, I, I don't want to go right. you know, into a foreign country. I don't know what's going on. And, Particularly now. Right now. Yeah. So, But it does beg the question, and it's something that's been brought up, with these feel with the tournaments all added uh, in the uh, fall crossover period before we get to uh, Kapalua and Maui for the tournament of champions, which was traditionally the start of the PGA schedule mm-hmm. and, and the West Coast swing. Uh, does the PGA Tour need to do something to either encourage or downright force more top players and names to play in some of those events? Uh, to to boost the fields. Well, keep in mind that these are independent contractors. Oh, I understand they, that. They, they uh, I'm not sure. I'm kind of on the fence here. I don't uh, know what the PGA Tour is after because a lot of these events, uh, when you get into the fall, you're going up against the NFL and college football season traditionally. Although we know this year's a little different, but mm-hmm. um, so your partners in CBS and NBC. Uh, don't have as much inventory or all the the tournament, all four rounds might be broadcast on the golf channel. So I don't think you're going to get casual eyeballs to the golf channel. I think people who seek out golf are going there. And so part of me thinks, no, I think those like, like me is interested in seeing some of the younger golfers, maybe some people we watched here in Portland get their tour cards at, at the corn Ferry uh, championship there out at the Winco at pumpkin Ridge uh, do that. So I don't know what the PGA tours goal is. I know they want to help the fields locally and drive up uh, how much they can give to charity that the sponsors want to draw people out to those events. And obviously having some big names will help that. Well, they yeah, they think that by adding the big names, it'll drive uh, viewership. Uh, to your point about competing with football, uh, it's only going to, it's not going to be the casual person. They, me, for instance, this week I didn't watch much golf, but I did watch football, and, yeah. and I'm a and I'm a golfer, uh, so it appeals to me to watch younger players. So when I did turn it on, I was interested to see who might, how the younger players. Number one, uh, I was grateful they were getting an opportunity to play, and number two, who is really playing well, and. And do we see them moving up to the next level? And and frankly, I didn't see anybody who's going to move up to the le- next level last week. This week I do because you have players who have been on that high level, like Keegan Bradley, like your favorite, Sergio Garcia, and uh, who else? Brant Snedeker. Brant Snedeker's there. Uh, Peter Maldonado. Uh, so you've got some players here, uh, Cameron Tringali, some really – Chris Kirk, these are guys that can really flat out play. Uh and and even Stuart Sink, who who won a couple of weeks ago. Yep. So uh it's players that are trying to get back to that upper level. I don't mind seeing that. And I think with a condensed schedule, uh it does two things. First of all, it gives the tier uh top tier players an opportunity to rest. Uh and secondly, it gives other players an opportunity to play. But it also has those third-level players no chance to yeah. play. So I don't know what the PGA, why they think they need to tweak things, particularly in in the climate we're living in right now. No question. And the depth of fields, I mean, the, the list of maybe those top two-tier players keeps getting larger. It's mm-hmm. not just about Tiger or Phil anymore. There are a number of other players that if you get one or two of them, 
the the PGA a few years back instituted a rule um, that basically said unless you have unless you're totally exempt, you're in the Tiger Phil now Dustin Johnson status where you can go play whenever you want, wherever you want for any reason, or you're a veteran, you're 45 years or older, um, that if you don't play 25 tournaments in a season, you have to play a tournament you haven't played in in the last four years, a new tournament uh, moving forward. But there's 50 tournaments this year. Yeah, 50 and 52 weeks. I think, I don't think that's a bad rule because uh, the tour is about yeah. making money. And and I think the players have to appreciate the fact that when they, uh, the top tier players, when they show up, it does boost uh, the sponsor uh, the sponsor's feelings yeah. about that. Uh, but I don't think tournament. with so many tournaments now, guys can still build in like a three-month rest period. I think the, if they want that, if they want more players, more top-name players in these uh, fall events, mm-hmm. they need to tweak the rule that unless uh, you've earned that exempt status, the veteran status, or you're dealing with a specific injury that's, not made up, you can't go more than five tournaments without entering a field. Interesting. I I know players in the past have hated being told what they can and can't do. Jack Nicholas being one who who would just ignore it and and not follow the rules. So you've had a couple of commissioners who have dealt with this issue. How do we uh, have players play in the in the lesser tournaments? Uh, but again, the players are just going to hate it. I don't see how they will accept it. They will go along with it. Yeah. Uh, they are, the tournament board will pass this. It's not just the commissioner's decision. Uh, so the players board will pass it, but I'm curious as to see what specifically they will insist on. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see when they get together with the advisory board, uh, what the players come back with. I think there's too many tournaments. I think you could cut five or six I know it's hard to pick which ones you know because of you see it here with the Winko how many people are involved how much gets done for local charities how important it is uh to get fans out there all of those sorts of things in there and when they're spread all around the country you take especially like this Jackson Mississippi this is the biggest sporting event you know in Jackson yeah I I, I disagree with you if you say you need to cut back on tournaments there's always a balance to uh, do we cut back the number of tournaments that decreases the opportunity. And we're talking about the opportunity, not just for 144 players, but about 300. Yeah. So you, you can't be cutting back tournaments as much as we say that some of these fields are weak. They are still opportunities for players. Yep. And, yep. and you can't cut the, you can't eliminate that opportunity. Tough, tough dilemma. We'll keep an eye on that as we move forward. But uh, coming up next, Joe Daniels from the Golfing Machine going to join us, uh, taking a scientific approach to putting a golf swing together, uh, and uh, much in the fashion that Bryson DeChambeau has reinvented himself. We'll get his thoughts on uh, how he went about doing that, and uh, if it's something the uh, the average amateur. Uh, can take something from as we make the turn. It's golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 832 here this morning. Uh, no sinner in Saint. Will Darkens is out, so uh, no no sinner in Saint today. We'll have another Ducks classic game from last season. Uh, the win over the Washington Huskies never gets old. Uh, but I'm sure uh, Jerry and Georgie and uh, Joey Mack will be uh, discussing the Pac-12 football schedule, which was uh, released earlier this morning so plenty to discuss there uh the ducks classic game will go at 11 o'clock and that's what's uh, coming up but uh we've got a uh, a duck on the line here joe daniels is the president of the golfing machine he is a long time uh, pga professional instructor he's taught at springfield country club uh, tualatin islands greens in tualatin among uh, the courses and has served uh, in great capacity to the Oregon chapter of the PGA. Uh, Joe Daniels joins us now. Good morning, Joe. How are you? 
Hey, Jason, good morning. I am fine, and thank you for reaching out to me to talk about the golfing machine. Well, yeah, let's get into it a little bit uh, based on on the book. It's it's called a textbook. I think a lot of people that saw Bryson DeChambeau win the U.S. Open heard that, that it was mentioned. Homer Kelly uh, initially authored it. But maybe describe a little bit about this textbook, why you gravitated to it, why Bryson DeChambeau, what is it about a particular golfer that this resonates with? Well, you know, the golfing machine uh, in Mr. Kelly's eyes was developed specifically for Mr. Kelly to enhance his game. He never really intended to write a book until his wife, Sally, said, well, why don't you write all this stuff down? So the impetus to actually create a book didn't happen until, you know, halfway through the process. You know, he'd been working on it for, you know, 10 or 12 years before he decided to, to actually put pen to paper. And so uh, as, as an outline of how to make many different swings, the golfing machine has risen to um, a cult classic is what they say uh, amongst many of the teachers around the world as the base of their instruction. So it, it, uh, Mr. Kelly outlines a few things that are very important and only a few things that all of us need to do. So in, in so stating, flat left wrist, a club head that is behind your hands called a lagging club head, on a straight plane line, and then secondly, balance the rhythm of the golf club and a stationary head, and whatever you want to put into the mix, as in what Bryson has done for his procedure, that's what you do. So uh, Mr. Kelly synthesized all of that into his book, and, uh, you know, I understand that it's uh, a little difficult because people are used to seeing beautiful pictures of Nicholas or Palmer or whomever, and that's not what this book offers. So um, as a textbook, it is uh, kind of like a recipe. If you want to bake a chocolate cake, you follow the recipe. At the end, you get chocolate cake. If you leave out the chocolate, you get something completely different. So the golfing machine is uh, a recipe for each individual to transform his and or her game into uh, a better game. Like you said, going from 20 to 10, what would that, what would that need? And uh, an authorized instructor of the golfing machine can lead their students that direction. So Joe, this is interesting coming from uh, Homer Kelly was a tennis player. It wasn't really a golfer first. Uh, the, it's interesting that he got so involved with golf that he created, and this, as you say, this textbook where we are accustomed to reading a book where you swallow the whole method. And The Golfing Machine mm -hmm. is not that type of book, correct? Correct. So a methodology just like I mentioned with the chocolate cake recipe, is do this, do this, do this, and get X, whatever X is. The golfing machine is a system, meaning that it has replaceable parts. So um, kind of like your car, for example, if you put bigger tires on your car, uh, you get a different effect of the car. If you put a different muffler system, you get a different effect. Same car, just replaceable pieces that makes the car either more efficient, faster, uh, you know, goes through uh, snow and ice better, whatever it is. And so uh, the golfing machine does not look at methodology negatively because, for example, my, my per personal procedure has a method to it, but it's my procedure. And your procedure, Harold, or your procedure, Jason, would have a methodology to it that would be yours. And all of us could look very similar, yet the pieces would be very different. Yeah, and you have a master's degree in sports psychology, so you would know how different uh, people operate uh, emotionally uh, and, and through their mentation, the way they think. 
I wanted to ask you, though, Joe, what is it about the golfing machine that turned you on? <laughs> well, I was a late bloomer, so I didn't start golf until I was 19. I was a, a freshman in college at Linfield, and the boys said, we play golf in the spring. And I said, yeah, I, I don't play golf. <laughs> so I brought my golf clubs back uh, with me. Um, the Bayou, which is in McMinnville uh, near Linfield, uh, was under receivership, so you could play for free. And uh, so I got to do that, and I was hooked. Um, and so from there, I ended up at Waverly Country Club uh, under the tutelage of Fred Haney, who uh, Mr. Kelly had assisted him with his game. And the rest, they say, could be history. Um, I learned a few things from Fred. Uh, my first book actually still has Fred's name in the top right-hand corner. I stole it, I guess you could say, from him or borrowed it permanently. And uh, because of the things in the golfing machine that I was unaware of, for example, a flat left wrist, uh, I absorbed those into my procedure and it uh, changed my golf game dramatically. And, you know, over time, decided to get into the golf business permanently. So, um, the attraction was was that there was something I could read that made statements that I had never heard of before, mm -hmm. and and that attracted me because uh, I'm that kind of personality, and not everybody is. I get that, but the person people who are not, then they should just lean on their golf professional, you know, for the information from the golfing machine, and that way they can um, apply it but not necessarily have to uh, take the book and, and study it. But those who want to study it, it's there. Joe Daniels, president of The Golfing Machine. Uh, TheGolfingMachine.com is where you can find out about uh, the program, and it's, and it's twofold. One, for uh, golfers to uh, try and work on their game, but the other, you spend a lot of time uh, instructing golf professionals on how to teach uh their students using uh, the golfing machine. You mentioned uh, it's it's a it's not a methodology. It's a system for that will allow each golfer to develop a methodology when they go out there. For amateurs like me that are just trying to, uh, like I said, go from a twenty handicap to a ten handicap and looking to establish their own methodology. Where do you start? Well. You know, if a person wants to, to, to purchase the book and start in the book, uh, the first couple of pages are all in Roman numerals. And Roman numeral 14, Mr. Kelly outlines his idea of how to go through the book. And so it's not cover to cover, find out who done it at the end. It's not a mystery. So instead of reading it cover to cover, you kind of jump around a little bit, but you follow his his outline and you get a pretty good idea of, of what he is, uh, where he is leading you is what I was going to say. And so with that information, the only thing I would add is that uh, the book has reference numbers behind certain statements. Um, I would suggest that everyone leave those reference numbers alone until they know what that reference is. So, for example, if you're talking about hinging and Mr. Kelly says, you know, C2G, if you didn't know that 2G was hinging, then just stay away from it because it's leading you down a path for a person who has been in the golfing machine for quite a while. But uh, for a person going from a 20 to a 10, uh, the three imperatives, the flat left wrist, the club head lagging behind the hands on a straight plane line, that will serve them very well. And that's just three little things to, um, to utilize on the path to a 10. And as Harold and I both know that once they reach a 10, they're not going to be happy. They're going to want to be an eight, and then they're going to want to be a six. <laughs> that's right so the motivation yeah. continues yep exactly yep. well that's the nature of the game i wanted to ask you joe uh it has been said that uh 
Bryson DuChambeau started with this uh, system when he was uh, 14, as you mentioned to me in the past. So something about what he's doing, it looks so different from the equipment to his physical makeup to his swing concept. So different than what we have seen for the last 30 years or even maybe oh, yeah. ever. Uh, what is it about what he's doing that really isn't all that different than what we want to accomplish in golf? So, you know, that's a really interesting question, Harold. And Bryson's procedure, that's what we call it when you make up all of the things that he does. He has taken a few of them. For example, the fact that his golf clubs are all one length. And the, the left arm and club are almost in the same line. Uh, but that almost in the same line was something that Mo Norman did. Mm -hmm. So that's not brand new. The, the, the uh, one length clubs is different. But again, he is young. That's helpful. He's strong. That's really helpful. And he's dedicated, which is even more helpful. So for him, the pieces that he added in fit into his makeup really well. They may not fit into Jason's or yours or mine, but they fit into his. And so what he has done is he has extrapolated, if you will, a, uh, a, another source of information to support the geometry. So basically... If you look at his change in weight, et cetera, that's adding mass. And adding mass usually decreases de uh, acceleration. But in his case, he hasn't lost any. So he's added mass. He has a, still the same amount of acceleration, which means that his force is greater. And, uh, you know, that is exactly what he wanted to do. And obviously, not only can he do it and do it well, but also the equipment of today supports that. Uh, those of us who have been around for a while remember that uh, when graphite shafts first came out, you couldn't find two that operated the same. So they've solved that problem, which leads someone like Bryson to be able to be, you know, pretty efficient with his equipment. Pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. Joe Daniels, uh, president of The Golfing Machine. Uh, the website is thegolfingmachine.com. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, people that want to get more information, uh, what are the other ways uh, that they can get in touch with you or, or find a way to a uh, golfing machine uh, instructor? So the instructors are listed on the website under the caption, Find an Instructor. Um, and also we have a, uh, an email address, moreinfo, M-O-R-E-I-N-F-O, at thegolfingmachine.com. Fascinating, fascinating stuff, Joe Daniels. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning, and uh, uh, I'm sure we will catch up with you uh, another point down the road. I love it, Jason. Thank to you and Harold. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. And have a good day. All right. You too, Joe Daniels. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the thoughts uh, on, on this approach as well as uh, what it means for Bryson DeChambeau moving forward. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 8.49 here this morning. Fascinating conversation with Joe Daniels, president of the Golfing Machine. A uh, little bit of insight. You, you probably heard that book referenced if you watched the U.S. Open and Bryson DeChambeau and mm -hmm. how he where the the genesis of him deciding to go the route that he did in developing his golf game came from. Yeah, and I talked with Joe quite a bit uh, prior to coming on the air. Uh, we chatted yesterday, and <laughs> Joe's a good friend, and I really appreciate his knowledge. And I, he's one of those kinds of professionals I could – just shut up and listen to him. I, I was all it's, in. I got to I got to go get a copy of the book now. Yeah, it, it's not just that. It's just Joe, his personality and what he presents uh, to a student and to an instructor. Uh, 
but we chatted quite a bit about Bryce Duchambeau and and Joe knows his uh, in, uh, Duchambeau's instructor quite well, and so it. Joe became aware of uh, Bryce Duchambeau at, a, at an early age, and in uh, and Duchambeau was uh, fourteen, and he was into learning about golf. Yeah. And his personality type was, I'm going to learn everything I can and throw out what I don't think I need and build a golf swing and a golf game based on what I think I need. Now, that takes a very strong personality to do that because most players, in my experience as, a, as an instructor, are out there just searching uh, and they'll – gravitate toward anything that falls off the tree. Uh, Bryson, the way he thinks is the first thing that falls off the tree is, you know, okay, where can this take me? What What's the next step here? He's not just picking up ornaments like off a Christmas tree. He's actually building something. And that takes an instructor and a student, a very particular type of student, so Joe would tell you, as I always do, find a PGA instructor. Absolutely. Know what that instructor's background is as far as whether he has a methodology or a system. As they, Sometimes that's a catchphrase for a different method. Uh, what is he trying to accomplish in it? What's the bottom line? Well, and no, don't just tell me I'm going to have you hit it straight. Tell me in the swing itself, in the physical performance, what – do you expect? And that's what Joe was was saying uh, and referring to the golfing machine when he said the flat left wrist and the and the uh, lag in the golf swing and things like that is that those are specific things in the swing that we want to accomplish. The golf ball will respond to that. So you you really start with the body and you work your way out to the golf ball. And so in in regards to the flat left wrist and then the lagging club head and then the balance issue as you go about, that's where your instructor comes in because there are any number of ways to accomplish those. Well, instructor- uh, other than the flat left, I mean, the, the the wrist is flat or it's not. I mean, that's kind of where you have to start. Well, and you look at Fred Couples, for instance, who had a very cupped wrist, but uh, Freddie's uh, wrist was not cupped at impact. And uh, Joe will point that out to you that, that at impact you can't have that the back of your left hand scooping. Uh, there are some shots in golf where we have a scooping motion, mainly in the the short game shots. But that's very uh, that takes a more proficient player to be able to have a flat wrist wrist and know when to scoop it. Uh, but I will say that um, that's a that's an important issue. You, if you are taking lessons. Uh, Ask your professional uh, what he's looking for. Uh, for me, as a teacher, if someone, one of my students says, what do you watch in my swing? Well, the first thing I watch is your setup. I, I have a checklist there. Secondly, I watch your takeaway uh, at the speed in which and the motion in which you make into your takeaway. But if I'm going to watch your entire swing holistically, and get a, a feeling for the whole thing. I watch your feet. Yeah, and that's what you're working on with me right now is the lower body, and that, would, that's yeah. the balance piece that that Joe was talking about. So, what are what are some of the things? How do you how do you practice balance? Well, you can't. It's like uh, I was reading this week about or how uh, do you create or what do you need to do. I mean, obviously, if something's wrong, my my right hip is sliding. When I get out of sync or mm-hmm. I get loose, mm-hmm. my right hip slides back. I'm all my weight is beyond my right knee, and there's no way I can get back to the ball. Yeah, exactly. And there are obviously drills. I've shown you some drills. There are a lot of training tools that will help you with that. Uh, you can use a mirror and see what you're doing. You really don't want your right hip to go outside your right instep in in the backswing. So that's something you would look for. But as an instructor, what am I looking at? And and I'm I'm making a checkpoint. I'll stand in front of you as you're hitting balls out 
and see where that right hip is, uh, and I'll watch your right knee. So this is very specific to you, yeah. and and that will tell me whether you're in balance. I also watch your feet. So if I see that your weight uh, is rocking to the outside of your right foot, that's a that's a problem. Or if I see your knee work outside uh, your foot, your instep, then uh, we've got a problem. And I work with that. Balance is, is incredibly important. And if you can be in balance, uh, you you can do anything. You can be a Bryson DuChambeau or you can be a Justin Rose. Uh, two very, very different swings, one very classic and the other one very unique. You take Jim Furyk, very unique swing, but his balance points are always correct. And now we judge it. I personally judge it by the knees, the feet, and the hip. But uh, there are other ways that yeah. players do it. I used to have a force mat that I used quite a bit to measure how our center of gravity works. You can get into the biomechanics of it. But if you're an amateur looking at yourself or videoing yourself, um, go online, work with a PGA professional, and say, all right, how do I stay in balance? You can't just think balance, okay? Yeah. You and can you have feel to, it in your feet whether you're out of you've, balance. Yeah, which, you've got to feel it, and that's the biggest thing I think paying attention to is where, you know, in the arch or the heel or the balls of the feet, where you're feeling the pressure. Um, and that that pressure, especially in the heels, if it's on the inside of your heels – they talk about building the stroke from the ground up. That's where that power comes from. Correct. That's the power comes from the ground up, from the core out to the golf club head. And that's what Bryson DuChambeau does very well. Uh, it has nothing to do with personality. It has to do, <laughs> and that's obvious. It has everything to do with what he feels that he can do to stay in balance hit the ball as hard as he can. And sometimes it looks like he loses his balance, but I can tell you, at impact, he has a very solid base. All right. Well, I'm uh, headed out to Forest Hills, 1 o'clock uh, tea time, so watch out. It's been a few weeks since I picked up a club. So yeah, that's we'll a warning to everyone out there. Try and keep it uh, there. Congratulations to uh, everybody that played in the amateur out there last weekend at Forest Hills. I heard it was a smashing success, and uh, they like the new format of the two-man two best ball. So look for uh, that again next week. Thanks to Joe Daniels again, uh, thegolfingmachine.com, where you can get all the information. Uh, ESPN Radio up next, and then uh, Ducks Classic against Washington coming up at 11 a.m. this morning. For Harold, I'm Jason. Hit him straight. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.